this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. I know you're not in the room with us today in this beautiful sanctuary of God's house, but I pray wherever you are that the spirit of Christ's peace will be with you, and we're so glad to have you worshiping with us today. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and as we head closer to Christmas morning, we hear the story of Mary. Now, when we hear this passage, I want you to keep in mind that Mary has just recently received the news from the angel Gabriel that she would bear the Savior of the world. And Luke tells us that almost immediately she heads to visit her cousin Elizabeth's home, who also finds herself surprised to be expecting a child. And there they greet each other, these two women, And this is what the scripture tells us. It's from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your spirit. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his things and and according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Do you know what the first Christmas carol ever written is? It's not Away in a Manger, it's not Silent Night, it's not the American classic, Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. It's this song, it's these words that I just read today. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's looked with favor on the lowliness of a servant. Surely from now on generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This is truly one of the oldest Christian hymns in all history. 
uh, Christians for centuries have sung and prayed through these words through Christmas celebrations throughout thousands of years. These words have been a part of Christian worship. And actually, in the 1980s, the Guatemalan government banned the public reading of these words for fear that Mary's words would start a revolution. Oscar Romero, Bishop of San Salvador and El Salvador, about the very same time, was talking about Mary and her words and the power that she brings about concern for the poor and the oppressed of the world. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, offer the German Protestant pastor, he was actually assassinated by the Nazis. But this is what he wrote about this passage. He said, it is the most passionate, the wildest, and one might even say, the most revolutionary hymn ever to be sung. Martin Luther, going way, way back into the 1500s, 500 years ago, when he translated his, um, the Latin Bible into his German vernacular so that the people could read the Bible in their own language, he put everything in German except for this passage. He left that passage in Latin, and it was pure politics for Luther. He was concerned that the rich and powerful who were supporting his Protestant movement against the Roman church would be upset if they actually could read what Mary was saying about the poor and the oppressed and the hungry. These are powerful words that Mary proclaims today. And just imagine, she's saying these words before Jesus is even born. It's a powerful thing for her to proclaim a world turned upside down, words that make kings and the rich get uncomfortable. Our Christmas carols might portray Mary as meek and mild. She's always calm and serene. In our depictions, you know, she never looks frazzled. She always just looks content at what she's facing. All is calm, all is bright, right? But come on, let's, let's face it. She gave birth in a barn, in a barn. And she didn't know they were far away from home. She didn't know anybody and no one there to help them. And for a while, she didn't even know if her fiance, Joseph, would be sticking around. And she didn't have any proof. She didn't have any witnesses, no guarantees from anyone that this was God's doing. She just had her own experience, this one amazing moment and encounter you think you've had a stressful few months. Just imagine what Mary must have gone through in this time. It had to be scary, so much unknown. And let me tell you, when it comes to an expectant mother, I know that the unknown is what we don't want, right? We, we, we read, we, we Google, we talk to friends, we plan, you pick a doctor, you pick a hospital, you tour the hospital, you pack your bag for the hospital a month before your due date. We want to be prepared. We don't want the unknown. The unknown is scary. And yet, Mary had none of that. Everything about her life, everything 
was uncertain. Did she head to Elizabeth's house because she needed to have another woman who was surprised by her pregnancy just to be near her? Did she head to Elizabeth's house because she needed to escape the gossip and the painful accusations that were surrounding her life? Did she fear for her own life? Would her fiance stick around? Everything was unknown. She didn't even know what tomorrow would look like. And yet today, as part of our celebration, we light the candle of peace. Peace. And maybe you're not feeling especially peaceful right about now. Maybe your life looks nothing like peace to you. You know, your kids are arguing over who gets to light what Advent candle. You spend hours decorating your Christmas tree only to have it come crashing down on top of one of your kids. <laughs> Maybe your life doesn't look so peaceful. Might get laid off from your job. A dear friend gets diagnosed with cancer. Cat gets sick on Saturday night. Your husband and you have a big fight. Peace. Peace. Yeah, peace. I think of Clark Griswold and Christmas Vacation. And just a disclaimer here, the TV version is much milder than the actual movie version. But if you remember in that crazy movie, the whole movie is Clark just trying to get back to some idealized, perfect image of how it's supposed to be in his head. And so the whole movie is him trying to get there. You know, he has a million lights on his house and they won't light. Um, a squirrel jumps out of the Christmas tree. He almost kills himself in a sledding incident. The dog destroys the dining room. The turkey is burned and Cousin Eddie shows up. The whole time, the whole movie, he's the one who's just trying to get back to how he thinks it's supposed to look, how he thinks his life is supposed to be. And here's what's amazing to me about Mary. We see a woman in the midst of uncertainty and angst and chaos, and she is daring to trust. She is daring to believe that God is at work before she has the happy ending. She is daring to believe that God is going to use her life even when she cannot figure out what tomorrow is going to look like. That's what's amazing to me about Mary. She faced the world's judgment. She faced an uncertain future. And yet she dared to believe that God would make a way. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Did you notice her grammatical tense? It almost reads like a typo. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the powerful. I actually had never really even paid attention to this until another minister pointed it out. She's not 
talking about what God is going to do. She's talking about what God has already done. She doesn't even know who Jesus will be and what he will mean to the world yet. And yet she's already proclaiming what God has done. She doesn't know the joy and the heartbreak of motherhood, but she's choosing in this in-between time to trust now. Trust today that God has got this. Is that peace? Could that actually be what it means to have peace? Not so much the absence of unpredictable and uncontrollability and unknown, but to actually trust in the middle of it all that God will make a way. Is that peace? I remember a woman I knew in my church who was in the hospital and she was about to have surgery and they had actually found a very large tumor and they needed to operate immediately because of the location of the tumor. And I went to see her on the day of her surgery and when I got there, knowing that the surgery was very risk risky and there was a lot of unknown, and I went there to pray, and when I got into the room, her adult son and daughter were there with her, and I, we made chit-chat for a while, and, and then when I started to go and pray, she stopped me and she said, um, you know, I, I have peace about whatever happens in this surgery. I am content right now, and I'm okay, no matter what happens. So will you pray for my kids right now that they could have peace too in this moment? Is that peace? You know, I've read that the opposite of peace is not war, that we get that wrong. The opposite of peace is actually fear. Fear is the opposite. And I'm mindful that this is fearful days. And some of us may feel this morning that the fear of it all could just about swallow us up with worry and unknown and uncertainties and what-ifs. And so I just invite you. I invite you when you feel the fear begin to take over, when you feel overwhelmed with the uncertainty and the unknown of it all, I just invite you to remember the story of this unwed, pregnant teenager from 2,000 years ago. Frederick Bigner calls faith whistling in the dark. So church, whistle, sing, hum, light a candle against the darkness to remember May your souls magnify the Lord and your spirit rejoice in God your Savior. For he has looked with favor on you and all generations will call you blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for you and holy is his name. Amen.